Welcome to the Battlefield Baptist Church Podcast. We are so glad you joined us and pray that this message is a blessing to you today. This week, we started our missions conference with our first speaker, Rick Schusler, missionary to the Bahamas. Well, good night. You say, what's that? That's how we say good evening in the Bahamas. We say good night. It's good to be here tonight. Are you glad you're here? Say amen. amen. If you're not glad, don't tell a soul, okay? <laughs> Keep it to yourself, if you will. Man, I was excited. I, those rocks. Those rocks are really cool. I picked up one while ago. Pastor said, put that down. So I put it down. But I, I found out my, our rock is worth $10. I'm finally worth something in this world, amen? And uh, that's really, really cool. Hey, listen, for 20 years, you've been so kind to partner with Fran and I in, in the Caribbean. We started in the Bahamas, and I wish I could share everything that's going on, but they only gave me 30 minutes. And uh, so you've got to come back tomorrow night, and you've got to see our videos, see the other missionary videos, and uh, get part two from me and part one from them, and you'll get part two from them later on. Uh, you need to come. And, and don't, don't, there's nothing on TV tomorrow night. All right, so come on back, and uh, we hope to see you tomorrow night. But let me tell you a little story. This is not even in the message. You know, because of Battlefield Baptist Church, there's a brand new church up in El, El Rubio, Dominican Republic. It's a little village of about 600 people with an outreach of 10,000 people. And this is the honest truth. There's not one gospel witness in that little village until we started that church. I preached the first service. We had 25 saved. And now it's growing and going, and I'm glad that's there because of Battlefield. I'm glad because of Battlefield, there's a, a church over in San Salvador, Bahamas, that the pastor there, our, our, our Bahamian pastor's been there for a while now, and it's only an island of 1,000 people, but he's running over 100 in, in church on Sunday. And we're doing a boys' event there. Because of you guys... We've been able to lead medical teams from Liberty University and actually seen people who's, who could not get health care because of our clinics. But we didn't just give them health care. We gave them the gospel. And just this past March, we saw seven people saved in our clinic. Because of you guys. I can go right down the line. I wish I had a lot more. T- just because of you guys, last Friday night. I'm not talking about Friday night a year ago, just this past Friday morning, we flew, my, we meeting my, my, our pastor there in, in Freeport, we flew from Nassau, Bahamas, over to an island called Andros. The public school, we call them government schools, the public school gave us uh, the permission to come and speak to every boy in that school. So 200 boys came to our event. Some of the dads took off work, and for the takeoff work is very unusual because the economy is really still poor there. They came to the event. We gave out plaques. We gave out some toys. We gave out some school supplies. And then I spoke the story God gave me 47 years ago called the try-by-fire story. And when we gave the invitation to stand to be saved, the entire student body stood up. Amen. 
And I told him, I said, if you're playing games, sit down. A couple guys sat down. If you stood because of your friend, sit down. 220 boys and their dads got saved last Friday. It doesn't stop there. We had an event back in uh, April in Freeport, Bahamas. We had 550 boys show up to that. And of the 550 boys and dads, we had 250 get saved. Now, those are big numbers. But you know what? I'm only a letter carrier. It's up to them what they do with the letter I give them. And they got saved. Isn't that great? Because of Battlefield Battle. I'll get to the message in a minute. I I know I got a few. I'm hurrying. Uh, Because you guys... Go back to the Dominican Republic, a little boy who just ate his last meal off the dump. He's now been rescued off the dump and now are, are given one, one, one hot meal a day in his education and giving him his spiritual growth. St. Martin, it's a new island God gave us this summer. The hurricane totally destroyed 95% of the island. The pastors finally got the roof covered over. They're hurting. But there's people outside these walls that need Jesus Christ. I didn't say outside this country. I said outside these walls. And we all need to be one that wins one. I heard a story this past week. A guy named Kimball, he's wrote a lot of books back in 1800s. Kimmel wrote a book, but while he was preaching, a guy named Mordecai Ham got saved because of Mordecai Ham got saved, a guy named Billy Graham got saved because a guy named Billy Graham got saved, a bunch of people have gotten saved. But it's because of one person. If you have your Bibles and you want to look with me in Nehemiah 2, tonight we've got to realize, church, we've got to get ready. As Pastor mentioned to us, as we look around this world, It won't be long before Jesus Christ comes back. It's what it looks like. It may be tomorrow. It may be another 10 years. Who knows? My pastor, when I grew up, I grew up in a Baptist church just like this. My pastor used to always preach and say, the last person that God wants saved will get saved, and then we get to go to heaven. The rapture will happen. I've been trying my best to find that person. (laughs) And so should you. So should you. This little Virginia area needs Jesus Christ. Fran and I, we started our ministry here in Northern Virginia in 1976. God allowed us to have a large youth ministry of over 300 teenagers every Sunday morning. I would go to Robinson High School once a week for lunch, and I had kids on the tables, and they would stop on the tables, and they would say, Rick, how come I've got to be saved to go to heaven? I said, I can't do it in the school, but I'll come to your house tonight. And because of those, that ministry there, over 27 of those young people and adults that were working with us surrendered their life in full-time ministry, and now we have missionaries, kids, now they're adults, and they're having babies, and they're having grandbabies, and I'm feeling older every day. But now we got them in Indonesia, South Africa, all around the world, passing in the States. But Nehemiah here, we see Nehemiah, we need to get ready, folks. Because the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 17, it says, And then said unto them, Ye see the distress that we're in, 
how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we no more be a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build, so that so they strengthened their hands for this good work. After examining the walls, you may know the story. Nehemiah knew the time had finally come to let the people know the purpose of his trip. You realize he was there for a, for a couple of years, just kind of hanging out in the city. He was kind of, uh, they didn't know who he was, what's he doing there. He'd ride his horse around the city and look at the different walls. And, and finally, he revealed his purpose. He had no idea how the people would respond. He had no idea when he now told them, this is why I'm here. He didn't know how they were going to respond. Every year when you have faith promise, mission revival. I was a pastor for 23 years. I know what's going through your pastor's heart right now. He's wondering, how are you going to respond? Some of you have never heard of this thing called faith promise. Some of you never heard and never saw a real missionary that wears real clothes. <laughs> none, none, but how you, Nehemiah says, how are they going to respond? Nehemiah was basically a newcomer. And there was a chance that these people might not agree with him. There was a chance that they may not even follow him. He was a man with a vision from God which made him a man on a mission. He had a vision, but he was also on a mission. So he gathered the people together, like your pastor is gathering you during this revival time. And he gathered them to show, to share his vision. I mean, Nehemiah could not keep quiet about his vision. He couldn't keep quiet. You sit around your pastor long enough, and I've been I've been running just this afternoon, and I felt this vision, not just for foreign missions, but for home missions, right here. I mean, Saturday, we're all going to get together and take the church outside these walls, and we're going to be the church the way the church should be. And so, Nehemiah, he showed them the situation. He gave them a solution, and he marked a suggestion. That's my three points. All I need is a poem, and we're all done. Amen? <laughs> so we see that he started the working on the walls. So the first one, how about the situation? Look at verse 17 again. And then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lieth in waste. Why did Nehemiah feel needed to make such a, such a statement? They lived in that city. They lived in, in, in this city. Why did he have to even tell them, hey guys, the walls are down. The walls are down. The king, I mean, they, they knew the situation. They lived there all their lives. They walked by those walls every day. They saw them down. Now watch this. The people had become so used to seeing the walls, they hardly noticed they were down because they became complacent. You know why the church quit taking the church outside these walls? Because we become complacent. Let me give you a little sidebar. Did you know when the early church began, they wanted everybody in the world to think about Jesus and know about Jesus? 
And they were thinking forward, thinking, get it out, get the name of Jesus out. But when they started thinking for about themselves, this is about me, this church is about me, I want you to please me, I want you to fill my needs, the church became inward thinking, the church started dwelling, the church became creepy, and who in the world wants to go to a creepy church? So he said, hey, you guys have been walking around the walls. And Nehemiah's words were a wake-up call to them. He says, open your eyes, guys. This is serious. Time magazine just recently had a picture on the front. It said the new landscape of Europe. And it was everybody dressed in Saudi Arabian clothes. That could be almost said about America if we don't watch out. But they're coming here. Why don't we win them to Christ and start those ministries here? Wake up. Nehemiah had a fresh set of eyes. He brought a new perspective. There was a a definite problem. They needed to address the problem. Nehemiah clearly identifies it. He said, listen, guys, here's the situation we're in. He says in Mark 16, 15, it says, take the gospel to everyone. I love my dad. He's, he's been with the Lord now six years. My dad was my biggest fan, my biggest rooter. And, and when, I, when I went from pastoring to become a missionary, my dad thought I, I blew it and dropped out of the ministry until the day I flew him down to the Bahamas and had him help me with a building project. And he says, thanks, welcome back to the ministry, son. But my dad was crazy. He would go every week to the local grocery store and take a bunch of, I'm not saying do this, this is my dad. He would take tracks and find all, to go down the beer aisle and shove them into the beer cases. Because <laughs> he wanted everybody to know Jesus. Listen, there was a definite problem. Mark 16 says everyone, it didn't say just your pastor, just your staff, just the missionaries, everyone. I was telling people about Jesus Christ way before I got in full-time ministry. And if I wasn't in full-time ministry, I'd still be telling people about Jesus Christ. I mean, in the New Testament, we're told to go to the nations in which are many people groups. In India, there's 150 people groups. Ethiopia, there's 80. In China, there's 40. And so on and so forth throughout the world. And over half of the world, half of the world, think about it, church, over half the world has yet to hear a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's over 2,000 languages without the Bible right now. So in most of the world, people are confused and they're deceived. Go to our country, the Bahamas. You go to the Bahamas, you're going to hear Christian music in Wendy's, the grocery store, the taxi guy will pick you up with God is my co-pilot hat on while they're popping beer and while they're getting high on drugs because they have a form of godliness but they don't know the God of the Bible. And that makes a tough ministry. Confuse someone who thinks they're a believer who really aren't. That's a toughie. The devil is working hard. Islam and Muslims are growing rapidly all over the world. And sometimes we don't even see the walls that are falling down around us. 
churches that used to be vibrant, growing churches are having attendance problems. Why? Because they forgot to be one that wins one. Sometimes we don't even see, I mean, in, in the missions agency that I'm affiliated with, the Baptist Bible Fellowship, there's over 900 missionaries on 115 fields. I want you to get this. In the Caribbean, there are 38 island nations with 41 million people, and there's only six BBF families in the Caribbean for 41 million people. I mean, we speak English in most of our countries. You don't have to learn a new language. Hey, listen, when I went through Canada school through the Baptist Bible Fellowship, I had to go through a linguistic class. <laughs> and we had to pass a test. And we had to pass a test to see if we can speak the language of the country we're going to. My country is English. And I failed the test. <laughs> so you can come and speak English. But in our group, though, it's declining. It's aging. I just turned 63 this year. How long, someone asked, how long are you going to be doing this to the day I die? That's my goal. That's my plan. Our, our, our mission force are leaving because of health. They're leaving because they're resigning to take care of older parents. Or maybe some of them are coming home because churches are dropping their support because the churches aren't giving like they used to because they're declining too. This is the situation. We have to know where we're going before we can know where we need to go. And tonight I hope to give you, as being the first speaker, to give you a wake-up call. Let's look at the solution. Look at chapter, look at verse 17 again. And he says, And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall, Jerusalem, that we be no more a reproach. I don't want to embarrass the name of Jesus. We don't want to embarrass the name of Jesus. Everybody was in agreement here with Nehemiah with the situation they were in. They said the walls are down. And uh, the solution was obvious. But it took someone, it took someone saying it and to motivate the people to do something about it. Your pastor has brought you together. He's seen the problem. The problem, there's a lot of souls that need to be saved. He's going to lead you locally. He's going to lead you globally. But he says, here's the solution. Following. He's your man of God. Amen? He didn't ask me to say that. That's how I believe. Follow your shepherd. He has a vision God's given him locally and globally. And the solution was obvious. But Nehemiah cast the vision, seeing Jerusalem as a walled city once again. He saw the city seeing the progress, seeing the success. And don't be overwhelmed. And, and he's saying, no, no, don't give up. It's, it can be done. I was saved as an eight-year-old boy, and I'm 63, and I haven't given up yet. I still want to see more people saved. Now here's the solution. 
for you. He said, me? Yes, you. Go on a short-term mission trip. He said, that costs money. Yeah, so, 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 your, so your vacations. We go on vacations once a year. Why don't we go on mission trips once a year? We've got, we've, got this, we've got it set for you guys. You can go to any of our island nations, and we're ready to rock and roll with you because we go there, and we win people to Christ. We have a ministry. We do basketball evangelism also. But if it's not with us, go with somebody else and get it done. Go on a full-time missionary trip. God, when God said, go, you know, the world, he didn't say, go just to the missionaries. He said, go to all Christians. Hey, here's the solution. Stay, stay here at Battlefield and <coughs> get involved in the local ministry and give to missions so the financial needs are met, just like this year and last year and the year before. I mean, you can applaud and give Jesus a praise while ago because what he did through you. Here's a solution. Talk to your kids about becoming vocational missionaries. Not my kids. No. My kid's going to be a doctor. Okay, that's fine. But we still need to talk to your kids, see if it's God's will, not your will. Talk to your kids. Oh, hey, hey Rick, I'll give, I'll, give, I'll give $100 a week in missions. I'll pay somebody to go, but not my kids. Come on now. My daughter went, started going on mission trips when she was 14 years old. And when she was 16 years old, that's when the Burnhams, not BBF missionaries, Burnhams in the Philippines were kidnapped. And later on, Mr. Burnham was killed when they go to capture them. But they were headed out to the Philippines that exact same time. Someone said, are you going to let your daughter go? And I just said, why not? Why not? And she went, and, and she now is involved in her own church, her local church now. Her and her husband are very involved. Listen, here's a solution. Some of you young couples need to go. And you retired, folks? I'm not letting you off the hook. <laughs> You're retired and you've got a vocation, you know what, that you had. You can go spend six weeks up a missionary build a building. You healthcare workers can get, get off work. You can go do medical work for, with, with a missionary on the field. Oh, and I can go, educators? You can go up educate. Because of you, we've got three churches in the Bahamas, three schools in the Bahamas. He said, Rick, you're going to meddling tonight. No, I'm going to preaching. <laughs> Be a church taking ownership of the task of taking the gospel to the unengaged people. In Curacao, we only have one independent Baptist church for 145,000 people. In Dominican Republic, there's three, I don't know what the numbers are, I think we're three million, two million Here's the suggestion. Just because the walls were torn down didn't give reason for them to be rebuilt. Because the people were very content with the situation. The people were used to it. It's kind of like out of sight, out of mind, why help? Just because there's a vision laid out before you doesn't mean you have to follow it. Sunday night, you go home. You say, man, I'm glad that's over with. I'm glad that that weekend was done. And some of you are going to say, I wish I, I wish I'd gone longer. Here's a suggestion. Just because there's a vision laid before you by your pastor and by this church does not mean you have to follow it, but, there's always a but in there, isn't there? But 
because God commanded us to do it, it should be our incentive and it should be our motivation. We can't be content with the way things are. We can't be content with just giving money. We can't be content by not giving money. It takes money to do ministry. It takes money to do missions. We must get out of our comfort zones. We, 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 do, it, we, we do it to show the power of God to change lives, and then God gets the glory. And that's why we do it. That's why we give. We don't give to so say, look what I can do. Go back to my dad, my crazy dad. My dad got saved out of a denominational church. And when he got saved, my mom was a lost Baptist. My dad was out of a denominational church. And when my dad got saved, I was five years old, got baptized. He learned this thing called tithing. His aunt, who comes from a very strong denominational church, got mad because he was giving his money to that church. Well, dad started getting blessed and blessed, and later on became a journeyman electrician for General Motors. And guess what? When they said, let's do missions. Dad said, what's this mission stuff? So dad started by giving five bucks a week. Then it went, the next year it went to 10, then to 20. And then when he finished working there, his tithe was about 200 a week. His missions was more than that. See, here's a solution, guys. But no one knew my dad did that. Early on, before he, he got those blessings, the church wanted to start a bus ministry. My dad bought two vans. My dad didn't have the money. My, we're not rich. We come from a blue-collar family. Dad bought two vans to bring kids to church. No one knew dad did that. Then they needed someone to drive one of the vans, and dad volunteered. They needed someone to be the captain of the van, and guess who he volunteered? Listen. We want to see God glorified. Amen, church? Not your pastor, not this church, not our pride, but it's for his glory and his glory only. Let us not shame God by our contentment, by our complacency, but let us find glory. Let's see God glorified by our partnering to do greater things than we've ever done before. And this is the favorite word of everybody in a church service. And finally, this is my last point. Do you know the word finally? Paul said that in chapter 3 in the book of Ephesians, and then he wrote three more chapters. You know? <laughs> Let's look at verse number 18. In verse 18 it says this, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. They said, Let us, let us, let us, say it with me, let us, say it again, let us rise up and build. The starting point is, what do we do now? What's the hurry? What's the urgency? Nehemiah tells us how God had intervened in, a, in the circumstances in his life leading to him to Jerusalem. Nehemiah described his burden when he saw the situation and he realized the solution. And God had placed him through there for the purpose of leading the people to the solution at that specific time. And God worked in the heart of the king to allow Nehemiah to do this task. 
The fact that God was leading the way made the timing perfect. And when Nehemiah finished casting his vision to the people of Jerusalem, they were ready to go to work. Nehemiah had a team of committed, enthusiastic volunteers. They were ready to roll their sleeves up and go to work. And my challenge to you tonight as I finish is by Sunday, hopefully you've been praying before this, but be praying to God, what is your part in giving financially to this local church for the cause of missions? Then the second thing you pray, and God, what is my part of helping getting the job done physically? What is my job? Is it to be a Sunday school teacher? Did you know that Jerry Falwell, the founder of Liberty U, started out as a Sunday school teacher and he failed? And he came back the next year and built the largest boys' Sunday school class. And now God allowed him to build the largest Christian university in the world. One man. But think about this one man, one person, one Jerry Falwell to Christ. And Jerry Falwell won one person to Christ. You may, what is your part? What are you ready to do? Let's roll our sleeves up and on Sunday, let's make that commitment like God wants and let's get the job done. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about our ministry, please go to battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook or Twitter. See you next time.